0: You're listening to Girls with Grafts, a burn community podcast created by Phoenix Society for Burn Survivors, a leading nonprofit dedicated to supporting the burn community. In this podcast, we'll talk with burn survivors, share resources to help with supporting and improving burn recovery, and discuss how to prevent burn injuries. Here are your hosts, Burn Survivors and Phoenix Society's marketing team Amber Wilcox and Rachel Kudlak. Hello, and welcome back to a bonus episode of Girls with Graphs. I am one of the hosts of the podcast. I'm Rachel Kudlack, and I'm so happy to be here on a very special day. So if you, I'm sure everyone's already aware, but if you don't know, today is Giving Tuesday. Um, So we wanted to do, you know, a bonus episode today um, in honor of Giving Tuesday Um, to share a little bit about the few different ways you can give back to Phoenix Society um, this year in this holiday season. So today's podcast, we're doing a little differently. Um, We have three special guests joining me today, um, but rather than having them all come on at one time, we will be having them all come on individually. So um, stay tuned for more information on who our guests are. Um, But I just wanted to give a little background on, you know, Giving Tuesday itself. So Giving Tuesday is a day of global generosity. It's a movement about unleashing the power of radical generosity. So Giving Tuesday actually started in 2012. Um, You know, I'm sure all of your favorite nonprofits are participating in Giving Tuesday, but it's really all about a simple idea of encouraging people to do good. You know, so in honor of Giving Tuesday, um, you know, we wanted to highlight a few of the different ways you can get involved and give back to Phoenix Society and the burn community. And they're not all, you know, financial gifts. You know, of course, giving a financial gift is one thing way to give back and one easy way to give back um but you know there's so many other ways to give back you know we know not everyone is in a financial place to make a donation Um, so we wanted to share some of the other ways you may be able to get involved and you know join phoenix society and join our movement so really what today is all about is you know inspiring you to find a way that's right for you to give back um and find a way to give back that's meaningful to you You know, maybe you do want to volunteer. Maybe you want to participate in research. Maybe you just want to give a donation. You know, whatever it may be, um, you know, we hope this podcast inspires you to find a way to give back today. Um, And, you know, at the beginning of every podcast, you know, I normally share a quick little partner intro, but today's podcast is powered by you. You know, our listeners, our burn community. You know, as a nonprofit, we do rely on the support from our donors, our volunteers, our supporters, and our advocates. And we couldn't do it without you. And we sincerely thank all of you for all that you do for our community. And our first guest for today's podcast is Robert Duvall. He has been the fire investigator for the NFPA, which is the National Fire Protection Association, which is based in Quincy, Massachusetts, since 1997. Robert is responsible for conducting investigations of technically significant incidents in order to gather lessons learned from each incident to apply those lessons to improving NFPA codes and standards. The investigation of these incidents includes documenting the emergency services response, the structures involved, as well as the events leading up to and following the incident. Additionally, Robert was named the New England Regional Manager for NFPA in 2003. His region recently expanded to include both New Jersey and New York and is now referred to as the Northeast Region. In that position as the regional director, Robert is responsible for outreach within the Northeast states regarding code adoptions and training. He also serves as a point of contact for stakeholders in the NFPA process, including the fire service, engineering and safety professionals. So thank you so much, Bob, for joining us on the podcast today.
1: I'm glad to be here.
0: Yes. Well, I know I just read a little bit about your bio, but before we kind of dive into Team Phoenix, um, do you mind sharing just a little bit more about yourself and how you got connected to Phoenix Society?
1: Sure. Um, In addition to the NFPA um, work that you mentioned, uh, I've been in the fire service since 1981. Uh, officially, and then I used to hang out at the fire station a long time before that because my uh, my house was about 200 yards from the fire station. So spent a lot of time there. Um, so I've been in the fire service as a firefighter, fire officer, and now a fire chief um, since 1981. So um, the NFPA work was a way to meld my uh, engineering um, degree with the fire service background too. So and all that goes with it.
0: That's awesome. Well, we brought you on the podcast today, as I mentioned, to talk a little bit about Team Phoenix. So just this past October, you ran the Hartford Half Marathon as part of Team Phoenix, and you raised over $4,000. So first of all, thank you so much for your support of Phoenix Society. But this isn't the first time you ran a race in honor of us. So can you tell us about how you how you got started?
1: Sure. Sure. Um- About 2012, um, my boss at the time, Gary Keith, and a colleague, Peg Paul, who was associated with the Home Fire Sprinkler Coalition at the time, uh, Peg was going to run in Chicago with some folks, and she had gotten connected with the Phoenix Society. And Gary mentioned to her, hey, I've got an employee and a friend that runs, and he's going to be running a half marathon in Connecticut. Could we get him on the team? So Peg reached out to me, and I said, oh, Certainly. Um, so I ran, um, a team of one in Hartford in that October and Peg ran with some friends in Chicago around that same time. The Hartford and Chicago marathons are usually pretty close together in early October. So from there, um, Peg ran a couple of more years, uh, in Chicago and every year I would run in Hartford. Uh, I graduated from half marathons to full marathons. And the goal of running Hartford was to qualify for Boston, which is the granddaddy of all marathons. Um, so endurance runners of all ages, you know, that's kind of their, their goal uh, is to qualify for Boston. So I was doing it with partially selfish reasons to, to qualify for Boston, but I was doing the, the Hartford Marathon every fall for the phoenix society and it made sense it was a great way to raise money engage my friends and colleagues into supporting the uh the society with my fire service and fire engineering background it was it made perfect sense i knew the ravages of fire what it did to uh you know to people and families and and, and burn injuries and the, the toll it takes on on individuals and families so it just made perfect sense to do it and it gave me additional inspiration um during the training, which is long and arduous, uh, training for a marathon can take up to six months. Um, and it, it kind of gives you that little push when you're, you're dragging, especially during the summer, <laughs> you're training in the summer heat. Uh, and you say, I'm doing this for a good cause. I'm doing this for, for people that you know, need the support and the society that needs the support. So it kind of blossomed from then. And I ran a total of, I believe, 16 marathons before I had to step back to half marathons again um, after knee surgery. But um, I did get a chance to run one Boston Marathon in support of the Phoenix Society. It was always Hartford. And then with the pandemic and all the chaos that that caused, they ran a Boston Marathon in the fall in 22, I believe, or 20, yeah, 20, no, 21. So it made perfect sense. All right, I'm not going to run Hartford this fall. I'm going to run Boston and I'm going to run Boston in support of the Phoenix Society. And as luck would have it, the weather was perfect. The conditions were perfect. And I ran my best Boston time that year in the fall. Um, So since, you know, then the, the, uh, with my knee surgery, I had to skip uh, a year or two. And during that time, I, I talked to Amy Acton, we were at a function together And I told her I'm racking my brain some way to find some way to um, raise money in the fall, but I can't run. So Mm -hmm. um, I said, what am I going to do to do that? So I had been recuperating from the surgery on my bike. And because it's low impact, you're not beating yourself up, but I could still get my cardio Mm -hmm. workout So it dawned on me while I was riding my bike one Sunday saying, why don't I do a 50 mile run on my bike, use the waypoints as fire stations in my neck of the woods in in Northeastern Connecticut. So I would ride from station to station and for a grand total of about 50 miles. So Amy thought that was a great idea. And we said, all right, let's do it. So I I pushed out a notice to all my friends. I created the fundraising page uh, through the Phoenix society And I have got a a ton of support from my friends and colleagues and raised, I, I have no idea, a couple of thousand dollars. And I got my workout in. I did, you know, a marathon on a bike plus, but it was also a means of, for me to, to continue to fundraise. And then this year I was back to running again, and it made perfect sense to go back to where it all started in Hartford and run a half marathon, just like I did in 2012 and do it all over again. So, the plan is to do uh, stay with half marathons and, and uh next fall I'll you know about mid summer maybe to late summer I'll start raising funds again for uh for another race in october
0: Yeah, well, that is amazing. And again, thank you so much for, you know, not just this past fall, but your bike race and all the marathons and half marathons you've ran um, in support of Phoenix Society. So for those listening who may not know what Team Phoenix is, or I mean, it's really just a crowdsourcing peer to peer fundraiser, you know, whether you're running a marathon or a 5k or a mile fun run, it can really be whatever I know around Mm -hmm. Thanksgiving, people always do those turkey trots and things like that. the distance doesn't matter. The way you do it doesn't matter, but it's just a, it's a way to, you know, rally up your friends and family in support of Mm -hmm. Phoenix society. Um, So Bob, can you share maybe some advice? You know, I, you know, I like running, I'm not Mm -hmm. a great runner, but maybe I'm intimidated to kind of sign up for a race and get folks to kind of rally behind and help me Mm -hmm. raise funds. So what advice do you have for someone like me?
1: Well, like I mentioned, it's, it becomes an inspiration. So, Um, I had someone tell me a long time ago, um, sign up or tell somebody or tell your social Mm -hmm. media friends and followers that you're going to do a race. And then kind of the pressures on you that, yeah, Mm -hmm. I've got to do it now. I told all my friends I was going to do it. Um, so pick a race that's not over your head. So if you're a 5k runner, do 5ks, do 10ks, um, if you want to push yourself, don't just jump into the marathon. Um, that's, you know, that's a little intimidating. Um, start with five K's and graduate to 10 K's and graduate to half marathons. And then once you do a half marathon, you can, you can do a a full marathon. You're not going to be two hours and three minutes like the elites are, but if you shoot for four, four and a half hours, um, at a nice, easy pace, that's not beating you up too bad, then you can do it. And you you tell people I'm I'm doing this for a reason I'm raising money for a great cause and it gives you the inspiration and it it your friends will say hey that's a great idea terrific here I am to support you and send whatever they can um, to contribute um, but like you said it doesn't matter the length of the race um, you know some people are 5K runners they'll do 10 or 12 a year just locally and and pick a good cause or a good location some people like to run. Um, in as many locales as they can, sometimes they'll pick a destination race and get on a plane and go to Florida or go to California or even Hawaii or something just to say, well, I went on vacation and I ran a 5k so I could eat whatever I wanted while I was on vacation. Um, but things like that, don't be intimidated, but promise somebody or tell somebody that you're going to do it. And then Mm -hmm. you're kind of like, oh, I can't back out now. I told everybody (laughs) I was going to run the race
0: once you post it on the internet, you can't take it back. So
1: absolutely, yep.
0: <laughs> no, that is, that's so great. Um, so, you know, why do you love giving back? This isn't something you've just done one or two times. I mean, even when you were injured, you found a way to ride your bike instead. Um, so why is giving back so important to you?
1: Well, it's, it's, kind of the the nature of you know the the work that the phoenix society does like i mentioned earlier as a firefighter where we show up on people's worst days um and then as a fire investigator we get to see the aftermath of people's worst days whether it's a um a fire an explosion a collapse or anything like that so um you know firefighters by nature want to help um they're problem solvers um you know when When people have have a problem, they you know, they don't pick up the phone and and call just anyone. They call the fire department and whether it's a cat stuck in a tree or people trapped in an elevator or a bad fire, bad car accident. so. In that way, I wanted to give back, or I wanted to help solve a problem and, and uh, contribute back to, you know, all these courageous folks that, that have been injured in fires or, or other incidents where they've been burned, and all the people that support them, all the staff at Phoenix and and their, their the other agencies that uh, whether it's burn care people uh, in the hospitals and healthcare or support people after these the, the survivors get out of the hospital. Uh, I wanted to be able to support that and give back in a way. Um, you know, running is is solitary unless you run with a big group and you have a lot of time to to think while you're running. Even if you've got music blaring in your ears, um, uh, there's still a lot of time to think. And, you know, you think back on that, you're looking for inspiration or something to, to kind of nudge you on a bad day or a day when you don't feel like getting out of bed to go run. It's getting cold in the morning out here in the Northeast now. And to to say oh yeah i'm gonna go outside it's 32 degrees and say well you know that toughen up there's people that are in worse cases than you and they're that are struggling and and recovering from from injuries and you can go out and run when it's cold um or you can run when it's really hot um to support these people and to raise their spirits or get funds for programs that are going to help them um you know in their recovery
0: definitely well what what what's one piece of like running advice you'd want to share with someone who maybe wants to sign up for a half marathon or a marathon?
1: Well, I follow a lot of elite runners on social media just for their little tips and stuff. And Mm -hmm. many of them are very, very humble and they don't want you to think that they're, you know, the second coming or anything like that. (laughs) And um, many of them just say, um, well, one of them is Des Linden from out in the Midwest. She's um, a marathon runner. She won the Boston marathon in 2018 Um, I ran that year. I feel like a kindred spirit with her because it was raining sideways and it was like 36 or 37 degrees. It was the most miserable conditions. And one of her mantras is uh, keep showing up. And that's that's kind of it. I mean, you don't feel like running or you've had a bad day. Put your shoes on and go out and run. Um, You're intimidated by the distance that your plan calls for that day. Say, well, it says I got to go out and do 12 miles today. I don't feel like doing 12 miles. Well, go out and do what you can. If you do 10 miles, that's 10 more than you would have done if you sit on the couch. And um, there's these, you know, there's all kinds of little inspirational sayings. And one of them is even if you go out and run a mile, that's a mile more then somebody who didn't leave the house or didn't want to get up off the couch uh, would have run. So keep showing up is, is the big one. And and just the more you do it, the more practice you get or the more you acclimate your system to it, the easier it gets. Um, So you, you find you progress from a 5k to a 10k and the 10k was kind of easy. Well, if you can do a 10k, you can do a half marathon. You just have to add a little bit of mileage and some dedication and training. but It's don't get discouraged. You're going to have bad days. Everybody is sore and, and doesn't feel good or feels drained. Um, don't get discouraged because you have a bad day. Just get up the next day and try it again. And, uh, the one other thing is don't ignore your body telling you that take a day off, or maybe you should go to the doctor (laughs) that that hasn't gotten any better. That ankle, that knee, that whatever,
2: Mm -hmm. um,
1: I, that's what happened to me. I felt the twinge and I tried to work around it for a while. Finally went to the doctor and he said, um, you know, I'm going to have to operate on you. I said, well, I'm training for the Boston marathon. He goes, run the marathon. I'll operate you on you <laughs> after the race. He says, you can't make it any more torn. It's not going to get any worse. Run the marathon and then I'll, I'll fix it afterwards. So that was kind of good news for me. I got to finish my, my mm-hmm. training and ran the race. It wasn't my best time but I felt really good that I did it on one and a half legs and I had friends there to support me and my family. Um, so, you know, don't ignore the advice of your body, but don't give up. Don't just Mm -hmm. say, Oh, this is too hard and fold up and, you know, don't do anything because you'll regret it.
0: Definitely. That's some great advice. Well, thank you so much, Bob, for joining us today for folks who are interested in signing up and being part of team Phoenix. Again, it can be a 5k. It could be a marathon. It could be a bike race, triathlon, whatever you want to make it. Um, you can learn more and and join team Phoenix at www.phoenix-society.org-team-phoenix. And we'll have that link below in our show's description as well. So before we close out today, Bob, anything else you want to share with our listeners?
1: No, just happy holidays and from the fire service side of it, uh, be safe around the holidays and uh, I wish everyone well.
0: Yes. Well, thank you so much. All right. Thank you. And our next guest for today's podcast is Shelby Mitchell. Shelby Mitchell currently resides in Wisconsin. She has an adorable golden doodle named Josie, who is her sidekick and goes everywhere that she can with Shelby. Shelby was burned in 2022 and has been involved with Phoenix Society since meeting a peer supporter while recovering in the hospital. She just recently completed her Phoenix SOAR training and has been a volunteer since September. So thank you so much, Shelby, for joining us on the podcast today. Um, Thanks. Yeah, thanks so much for being here. So I know I just read a little bit of your bio, but before we dive in, can you just tell our listeners a little bit more about yourself
3: and your burn journey? Yeah, so my my burn actually... um, occurred on May 29th of um, 2022, and it was a bonfire accident. Um, I had thought the bonfire went out, um, that it was completely out, and I was just approaching the the, um, the burn area, and I had a, a gas can in my hand. Um, I was still a, a good distance away, um, probably more than six feet, but just all the right things happened that day with um, it actually being a little unseasonably warm. So I think that kind of led to um, some fumes as well. Um, so like I said, I wasn't aware that the fire was was even still possibly going, but even just me getting close enough, um, the fire exploded. My pants caught on fire um, and I, sustained um, third degree burns to the majority of my legs, a little bit on my feet. Um, Because I was in such a small area in the upper peninsula of Michigan, they did not have a hospital adequate to take care of what I needed. So I was actually flown from this small hospital. Actually, it was quite a journey that day. Um, So they, the helicopter that they were going to bring into the hospital was out on something else. So they had to bring an ambulance. Um, That ambulance brought me about 30 miles or so um, to a different airport. And then from there, we took a fixed wing plane. And then I was flown to um, the burn unit in Minneapolis, where ultimately I was treated. So Oh it my. was. Just Talk about bit. a journey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, what, I, what I'm i really grateful for is that immediately the hospital recognized that it was way more than they could handle. Um, they got me stabilized. And then immediately, um, you know, everyone had their jobs. They knew what they were doing. The, the doctor looked in. He was like, yeah, we we can't help to this level. So he was immediately making calls to um, burn units to see where the closest place that could take me.
0: Mm-hmm. So, and when you were at the hospital during that stay, was that the first time you had met a peer supporter?
3: Yeah. So um, I was treated at Hennepin Healthcare in Minneapolis. Um, I was in the hospital actually for 74 days. Um, So during that time, um, the the first part of it, I was in the ICU um, for about a week. And then I truly can't even tell you how long after when I went to um, the step down that it was that Mm -hmm. I met my peer supporter. Um, Time was just kind of a random thing. (laughs) Um, when you're in the hospital. So I couldn't really tell you exactly. But what I really loved about um, the peer support and the SOAR coordinator at the hospital is they found a peer supporter who was so much like me. It was kind Mm -hmm. of eerie. Um, We (laughs) liked the same things. Um, We just everything that the travel, um, outdoor activities, all these things that, um, when she came to visit me, I was like, man, it really feels like I'm talking to myself. It was, Mm -hmm. it was kind of eerie in some ways, but at the same time, like I was the one who was up and walking around and having these conversations too. So, um, they just did a really great job matching me with someone who was, um, just so like me mm-hmm. that, um, and, and now we're friends. So it was just a, a really cool connection.
0: That's awesome. Well, thank you so much for sharing your journey with us. Um, you know, as I shared earlier, it is giving Tuesday. Um, so we're highlighting all the different ways that you can get involved with Phoenix society and give back. And one of those ways is Phoenix SOAR. Um, so for those listening who may not know what SOAR is, um, Phoenix Soar stands for Survivors Offering Assistance and Recovery. So it's really a peer support program. You know, it connects survivors as well as loved ones um, with others who have experienced similar trauma. And in your case, someone very similar to you. And we we know that's so important. You know, when you have just a connection beyond the burn. Um, you know, all of our burn journeys are different. All of our stories are different, but we have commonalities, we have similarities and it, it, can, it can be, it can make a huge difference when, you know, you have someone that eventually becomes your friend and isn't just, you know, someone telling you about the burn journey or whatnot. So, um, but you recently got trained as I shared um, to become a Phoenix sort peer supporter. So what kind of made you want to get involved with Phoenix or aside from, you know, getting the support, what made you want to give back and give that support to others?
3: Well, actually a big part of it was the connection that I had with my peer supporter. So, uh, and I'm just generally the kind of person that I'm like, I got it. I can handle it. Um, And just, you know, finding a way through things on my own. That's just Mm -hmm. my own process. So at first I, I was a little reluctant to having a peer supporter. I, didn't fully understand in those moments what that really meant. Mm -hmm. Um, But then once I got to talk with her and she was sharing some things about herself, that opened up this whole other idea for me of like, wow, this is someone who understands on a level that maybe no one else in my life ever will. So it, it was just this really neat thing for me that when I felt like I was ready, that maybe I could be that that same person, you know, for someone else that um, that my peer supporter was for me. And it doesn't have to be such a, a strong connection, but, you know, just having that, that person that you can talk to that truly is someone that can mm-hmm. say, I do understand. And, and maybe not every um, circumstance or situation, But for the big things, you know, Mm -hmm. staying in the hospital, having the grafts, the surgeries um, and then the long recovery that comes after and just having another person to say, wow, this sucks, huh?
0: Yep. Yeah, no, that's that's so true, you know, and I think about, you know, I'm a burn survivor and I also think about my parents who were the caregivers for me when I was in my injury and obviously they saw me in the hospital bed and seeing me go through surgeries and they would never complain to me about what they were going through and their journey. But having, you know, a peer supporter who, you know, for a loved one to a loved one, just to have someone, like you said, to be like, this sucks. Like today was horrible. And those are okay. But then it's also fun when you have a friend and you can be like, well, guess what? I'm going home from the hospital or, I don't have to go back to PT or whatever those wins are. You can have someone, you know, just an ally that both you can share your successes and your challenges with.
3: Absolutely. And, you know, you you brought up parents that are going through kind of the same journey, but they're looking at things through a different lens. Mm -hmm. Um, So I have been able through my own experience to talk to my family and, specifically my mom, and say, I think that you would really like to talk to someone. Um, so then I was able to get my mom connected with a peer supporter that um, is not someone who is sustained to burn themselves, but mm. is the loved one of someone who has. So just that experience and how SOAR can match, whether you're a sub- survivor yourself or um, maybe you're, you're just a, a touch removed from it of that loved one friend whoever Um, Mm -hmm. they have the person for you
0: yes definitely and and i'm really excited you know we haven't really talked too much about this yet on the podcast or really in general but we are expanding phoenix sore so it'll still be, I mean, and right now it's really hospital-based, um, which is great because, you know, especially when you're in the hospital and just to have someone walk in that's healed from a burn injury can be a, an amazing feeling, let alone talking with them. Um, but we are expanding it. So we're going to have Phoenix Society-based peer support in Phoenix Store. We're going to have like a burn foundation and organization-based um, peer support Phoenix or So it's just really exciting that, you know, we can help and grow this program and find better connect folks you know especially you know you talked about being in a small town and having to fly to a burn unit um you know for so many folks there's not a local burn center or a local burn unit to get that peer support so um i'm really excited to expand this and you know just get more and more of those connections um so, Absolutely.
3: I think that's really going to be critical because even the the town that I currently live in, the closest mm-hmm. burn unit, um, is about two hours, two and a half hours, um, and then the next closest one after that is three hours. Mm-hmm. Or the burn center that I was ultimately um, did my recovery at is four hours from where I um, currently live. So. Mm-hmm having someone that would be right in my community would be really amazing.
0: Mm -hmm. Definitely. Definitely. And obviously, you know, virtual peer support is great and that's a great tool to use when you can't be in person, but we want to be able to have, you know, all the options. Some folks maybe prefer a virtual meeting and other folks, I'm a people person. I like to be with people in person. Maybe we're going to a coffee shop or something. So just expanding that um, is really, really exciting. So I do have a few more questions for you, but I do just want to let folks know if they do want to become a Phoenix Soar peer supporter, you can email phoenixsoar at phoenix society.org. We'll also have that linked um, in our description. We have, you know, our Phoenix Soar webpage that has a lot of more information. So um, if you are interested, today's Giving Tuesday, it's a great day to sign up and give back. So, you know, you shared a little bit, Chelby, about why you signed up, but What does it mean to you to give back and give that peer support to others?
3: I mean, if I can just sum it up in a word, it's really everything. Um, You're going to get me crying, but (laughs) it's really just, you know, in order to pay it forward. Um, I was really grateful to have an amazing team, people that surrounded me. Uh, not every person has that. So if I could be that person for someone else, I, I feel like that would really be everything to them. Mm-hmm. Um, and my my career, I work as a victim advocate. So it is just really part of who I am as as a helper, kind of embedded in my soul already. Mm-hmm. Um, so it it just really felt like a natural fit for me to give back in this way.
0: Yeah, I love that. Thank you so much for sharing that. Um, So what would you want others to know? You know, maybe someone's like, "Eh, I don't know if being a peer supporter is right for me. Um, What would you want them to know? Or what would you want anyone to know about peer support?
3: Well, kind of like what I shared before is even myself, I wasn't too sure about it. I Mm -hmm. had that mindset of I got it you know, just being a really person, you know, um, private person myself of, I don't want to kind of burden anyone else with my stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, but all it took for me was meeting with a peer supporter one time. And then it, it just opened the gates for me of being able to receive the support that they had to offer. Mm -hmm. So I would just encourage people to be open to the idea that even if you're really set against it of maybe how I was, (laughs) that just give it at least one time to have a peer supporter in your life or to go through the training, because even if you're not going to use it in the full capacity that there is to offer, you still learn a lot about how you can just help in general. So mm-hmm. I think if, you know, it. there's just so many options there by going through the training.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and you know, I think sometimes even with the training and the courses, people were be like, eh, I don't wanna sign up for a class. But the training is really, really important because it, you know, like you just said, it can help you just even become a better storyteller of your own story and your own journey you know, it may open your eyes to things that you didn't even know about yourself. Um, You know, and we have the training not to bore people with sitting in a, well, it's virtual, but sitting in front of a computer screen, but it's really to help you become the best peer supporter you can be. Um, You know, not every peer support visit is great and easy flowing. Not everyone's a heavy, maybe even a little triggering of a peer support visit. You know, there's a great spectrum of the types of visits you can have. So we want to make sure, you know, as a peer supporter, you're ready to give support, but then you also know how to get support for yourself as well.
3: Absolutely. And I I think that's one of the really important things that the training provides is you doing actual role playing so you Mm -hmm. can see how it feels for you to tell your story, to hear stories, to kind of walk through that. Uh, The other really important piece that I think Phoenix has taken into consideration, too, is that you have to be at least one year out Mm -hmm. from your injury before going through that. And for me, that was a little bit hard of a wait. I mean, like, well, I want to start giving back right away. I want to do this. But I understand the importance that it takes to just be able to reflect on your own Situation, your healing, focus on that before you jump immediately into something else and provide help before you're ready to do that. So, really making sure to have that self care piece that's in there as well.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. We have that year, you know, gap just to, like you said, make sure you're ready. Um, you know, and you may, some people leave the hospital from their burn injury and it's like, I I'm going back. I want to give peer support tomorrow. And then other folks, it may take, you know, a few years. And, you know, if you're listening to this and you're five, 10, 20 years out from your burn injury, you can still come back and become a peer supporter. It doesn't have to be, oh, like a one to five year window. That's not a thing. We just make you wait a year. But after that, it's, it's free game. If you want to come be a peer supporter.
3: (laughs) Exactly. And and I think, you know, the more experience you have with something, the better you're going to be too. So, you know, there may be situations that arise for me that I haven't had to deal with yet, because I'm only at this point, a little over a year from my injury itself. So someone that has that 10-15 years experience might be a better fit, peer support fit, than Mm -hmm. I might be for that person.
0: Definitely, definitely. Well, thank you so much, Shelby, for joining us today in honor of Giving Tuesday and giving back through peer support. So as a reminder, if you are interested in the Phoenix Store program, whether you want to become a peer supporter or maybe you're a burn care professional listening and want to have it in your hospital, or you run a burn, you know, organization or foundation and you want to have it, whatever it may be, or if you just have questions about the program, just email us. We're we're happy to help. Um, So before we close out today, Shelby, do you have any anything else you want to share about yourself, the burn community, Phoenix or whatever it may be?
3: Well, you talked about my golden golden doodle, Josie. (laughs) And of course, um, she's taking a nap. So I, I can't even introduce her to everyone.
0: Well, I do have a photo of you and you're going, you adorable little pup. So I will make sure that that gets shared so folks can see it um, or see her, excuse me, because yeah, I, my dog's also taking a nap right now. I'm like, wow, you have such a great life. Like, can I just be a dog? <laughs>
3: <laughs> that does sound really great some days, doesn't it?
0: Yes. Yes. Well, thank you so much, Shelby. And not just for joining us. Thank you for, you know, sharing your journey. Thank you for becoming a peer supporter. You know, Phoenix Society, we're a nonprofit. We can't do it without the community and without the support. Um, so yes, just thank you so much. And I hope we encouraged a few folks to go sign up to become a peer supporter today.
3: I hope so. It's definitely worth it.
0: Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. And our last guest today for our special Giving Tuesday podcast is a very familiar face with Phoenix Society and the Girls with Graphs podcast. Um, So today we have Tony Gonzalez joining us again. Tony was burned on 95% of his body in February 1997. The accident was caused by a protein gas explosion at a friend's vacation cabin in Wisconsin. Tony spent the next nine months in the ICU before spending another two months in a rehab before returning home to the Chicago area. He had over 80 surgeries, and thanks to his strong, close-knit family for their endless support and guidance throughout his recovery. In 1998, Tony met the founder of Phoenix Society, Alan, and his wife, Delwyn, during a peer support visit at Loyola Medical Center. He went on to attend the Phoenix World Burn Congress one year later and was trained to be a Phoenix or peer supporter in the pilot program in 2001. Since then, Tony has been actively involved with Phoenix Society and the burn survivor community. He currently serves on Phoenix Society's board of directors and gives back to the organization in many ways, including his philanthropic support. So thank you so much, Tony, for joining us on the podcast today.
2: Thank you for having me.
0: Well, I know I just read your bio. I know you've been on the podcast before, um, but for those listeners who may not know you or much about your story, um, do you just mind sharing a little bit more about yourself and your connection to the community?
2: Well, um, you went over the the burn injury. It was 23 years ago. I remember well. Um, um, and uh, being involved in the Phoenix Society as a uh, it's given me an opportunity, an opportunity I wasn't really not sure if I'd say quite ready for, but um, mm-hmm. definitely an opportunity came about and uh, changed my life forever.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. What was it like meeting Alan and Delwyn for that first time for that peer support visit?
2: Now, like I said, it was unexpected. I was just in the hospital and they uh, just said, can someone come up and visit you? And I said, well, sure, why not? Mm-hmm. Uh welcome visitors. But uh, yeah, they came up and introduced themselves, told me about the Phoenix Society. And um, it was a meeting that lasted probably close to two hours. We just talked and uh, there was an instant connection there. Mm-hmm. Um, I knew I wanted to be involved with them somehow. And uh, I knew that that involvement would change my life. And it obviously did
0: yes it certainly has so i mean we've been talking all day because it is giving tuesday and one of the probably quickest and easiest ways to make a difference um, and make an impact today is by giving a financial gift so tony you have been a long-term and long-time supporter of phoenix society um so why is giving back so important to you
2: well i guess you know giving back and you know like you said it can happen in many ways but uh through donations and things Um, It tells me that I'm making a difference. Um, I know what the Phoenix Society can do. I know um, connecting with burn survivors is our biggest challenge right now. Um, And, you know, it it takes dollars um, and coming out of COVID it's, I know everybody has hardships. and, it, and it's been rough, but, but I know we need those donations. We need those donations to create that infrastructure and create that opportunity to connect to more survivors. Mm-hmm. And that was one of the reasons why I gave back in a volunteer role, role first is, um, you know, I, I was busy in my own recovery, but when Alan and Dellen walked in, they opened up a new way that not only can I help, but that I can grow myself. Mm-hmm. and that door was opened and from then on I realized that uh, um, working with the Phoenix Society that it does take dollars and it does take a lot more than that but the dollars are the important thing sustainability and being able to do what we do and then that transcends into knowing that I'm helping more and more survivors.
0: hmm definitely. And you know that's part of the reason why we're hosting, you know, this podcast today to share all the different ways to give back for some folks it may be that financial gift for other folks it may be in a volunteer role or a combination of the two. Um, so, you know, however you can give back, you know, it's just important to to give back especially in the holiday season. It's a season of things and giving. Um, and one of the other ways that you give back to Phoenix Society is you actually host a golf outing. Um, that supports our organization so can you tell us a little bit more about the golf outing and kind of how that event even came to be
2: well it came to be first of all it was a a softball uh fundraiser for me while I was in the hospital so I had no idea they were doing it (laughs) um and they did it actually the first year in uh, 1997 and um once I I got to actually see video of it and um that inspired me that that I hadn't, like, like I said, I hadn't really thought about giving back mm-hmm. in that way yet. I was still kind of dealing with my burns and um, getting back into society, but that was one of the first ways it showed that people care and that you could do things to help others
0: mm-hmm.
2: and helping others made everybody feel really good about it. Um, and it, it was about a three year run on that and then we changed it to the golf outing um just before actually just before i bet jamie nieto so we we had the golf outing a couple of years and then jamie played in it and once jamie um, got to a point where he was uh, established himself as a burn survivor and professional golfer and professional teacher uh i said jamie i need your help so he came on board and say hey we both love golf and we both uh you know both love supporting the Phoenix society and raising money. Let's let's do this together. And we did it together. Um, and I think he came, came on board. We did it at his club in 2005 or six, I believe. Uh, mm-hmm. And he's been with me ever since. And um, we do it to raise money, to give people the opportunity to go to world burn, which is both of us have been there many times and um, benefit from it and became more volunteer orientated through it and you know we just the meeting the one-on-one people at the Wilburn I know Jamie will tell you it did all kinds of wonderful things for him it changed my life too as well Um, that's one of the reasons why I continue to support
0: Mm -hmm. definitely and I think this past year was the 16th annual burn awareness golf outing so that's awesome um, that both of you have been having it and hosting it for so long and I mean, it's a huge success every year. You know, I think this past year you had like 120 friends and family came out to support. So, really shows the power of community and um, how you can make an impact.
2: Yeah, it was. I think it was the biggest year we had, or it was really close to it. Um, And um, and it was just a wonderful get together and to see faces again, coming out of the pandemic, and and um, know that my friends and We got new supporters and uh, all the new folks at Phoenix Society came by and Mm
0: -hmm. hopefully you'll get
2: there someday and and (laughs) join in the fun and and know that we help people.
0: Yes, I hope so. I mean, I won't be playing golf, but I will be more than happy to come and help with registration.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, come on. Gotta try golf.
0: I will try. In the name of fundraising for Phoenix Society, I will try, but uh, I don't think anyone would want me on their group of four uh, going around.
2: <laughs> you know, bring your clubs with you, or we can get you some clubs, and we'll talk about it.
0: <laughs> All right, we'll we'll see what happens next year. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, and another, you know, special initiative we actually have going on right now through the end of the year, um, which special thanks to both Tony and our other special agent and board member, Howard Tlebson. Um, But our special agents, Tony and Howard, they at World Born Congress, you started an initiative um, to match all of our new monthly donors. And now we're running that through the end of the year, which is so, so exciting because, for every new monthly donor that signs up, Tony and Howard will be matching their gift. So this is a great opportunity to make an impact and then have it doubled by Tony and Howard. So, Tony, what kind of inspired you and Howard to, you know, start this initiative?
2: Well, and me and Howard, uh, yeah, we've been, uh, we, we both a light. We both want to run move everything forward and and connect as many burn survivors as we can. We're on the same page there. So uh, we had an opportunity at the board meeting last uh, about two months ago in Boston. And um, I just kind of brought it up to Howard. I said, you know, Howard, this is, we both love to give. Why don't we do something at World Burn? Um, My presentation was that uh, now we're doing willburn every other year so that opportunity is gonna be less and less um, so Wilburn was my opportunity to showcase it's one of you know one of the premier events at Phoenix society and you know and both Howard and I believe in it um, I wanted to do something special it was the time to do it uh, hopefully coming out of pandemic people um, can create an opportunity, and and if you want to give to one organization, you know, this would be the one I would say because we need it so so much, and um, it was just a World Burn that's real close to my heart, and um, I just saw an opportunity there, like I said, and um, and then uh, it was brought up to my attention to start a World Burn with the monthly giving. Um, which will also create our donor base too, get new people in here. That's what that's really what the objective of it was.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and monthly gifts are so important because it really helps build, like you said, that donor base and that sustainability factor. Um, you know, and it's really important uh, going into 2024, you know, we aren't hosting Phoenix World Burn Congress in person next year. We will have it again in 2025, but those monthly, those monthly gifts allow us to provide that sustainable support to survivors and caregivers and burn care professionals all year long. And no matter where they're located, um, obviously we're expanding our virtual offerings and digital reach, um, and balancing that with our in-person um, premier, you know, Phoenix, World Burn Congress, but monthly gifts are so important to, you know, all nonprofits, not just Phoenix society, but all nonprofits. Um, and, you know, for as little as $5 a month, you can make an impact. And thanks to Tony and Howard, that'll be doubled to $10 a month, which is amazing. Um, so I guess, Tony, what, do you have anything else you'd want to share, you know, in terms of, why folks should maybe sign up to be a monthly donor
2: um, Well, like I said, especially now that we're doing will we burn every other year now mm-hmm. uh, On a daily basis, you can know you're you're giving and what you're giving is is is, is making an impact and is helping survivors every day. Um, I don't know what your number is every day, how many calls you get, how many referrals you get, hmm. It's constantly happening. It's 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 uh it's unfortunate that, uh, you know, people get burned. We didn't ask for it, but people get burned and the need is growing and growing and growing um, as more survivors survive. And that rate increases, too. Mm-hmm. So just that every day, just waking up and knowing that that you're giving something and uh, what you're giving is 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 helping someone. Get to that next phase in their journey, uh, whatever that is, and um, that's what it's all uh, about—about growth and 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 just realizing that somebody's life is being life is being bettered by you know even that small donation
0: hmm. Definitely. Yes. And I do just want to add, I did share this on the screen, but if you are listening to us and you can't see the screen, um, you can join our monthly giving club and double your impact by visiting give.phoenix-society.org slash match 23. So we'll also have that link in our show's description as well. Um, but yeah, Tony, you brought up a great point. You know, we do get calls and emails from survivors and caregivers and professionals as well. You know, every single day we get multiple every single day. And um, for folks who don't know, we have Lily on our team um, who's answering the majority of those. Um, but she's always so busy. You know, she has so many folks reaching out to her on a daily basis. And you're you're so right. You know, with that monthly gift, you are making an impact every single month, and you're helping us help more in our community. So, you know, think about it. I don't I feel like people probably have said this before, but how many of us go to Starbucks or Dunkin and spend five dollars on a coffee? You know how many times a week? Maybe you give up one of those coffees and you make a coffee at home and you give that five dollars to Phoenix Society every month. Simple as that. Plus, it's getting doubled. So instead of getting one Starbucks drink, maybe you're you're giving to Phoenix Society. So what could be better?
2: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And like I said, so for that little amount, what you just talked about, and then, you know, go back on the Phoenix website and see somebody that just paid it forward, maybe, or,
0: mm-hmm.
2: you know, created their own event, or just got somebody else to sign up. Mm-hmm. You know, Give it as a gift, a Christmas gift, somehow, um, it'll find its way, you know, in a spot where it's going to help somebody.
0: Definitely. Yes. That's a great idea, too. You know, how many of us give gifts that are, you know, just to give a gift because it's holiday season? That's what we're supposed to do. Well, how powerful would it be if you gave, you know, your burn nurse, uh, you made a donation in her honor or his honor or their honor? You know, that's a great idea. Um, And even if you're not if you're listening and you're not in a financial position to give, we understand that. But maybe you know someone who is who can support our calls and our mission. So, um, you know, even if you just share this podcast with someone, that could be a great way to give back as well. So, um, Tony, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, of course, we encourage folks to become a monthly donor um, and be part of yours and Howard's match. But before we um, end our conversation, do you have anything else you want to share? giving Tuesday related or anything you want to share with our community?
2: Um, Not really just that, you know, I know we're all about giving Tuesday and Tuesday is a wonderful day, but um, you can give any day. Um, Thank you for having me on the podcast and and be able to share. And that's what it's all about too, is sharing. Like you said, if you don't, if you can't contribute, you may know somebody and sharing and somebody that's not, May not have heard about the Phoenix Society. Um, mm-hmm. This is a great way to become a, a acquainted with them. Go over the website and and give that little amount and and you know know that like I say, every day you're helping somebody. Mm-hmm. You're not taking that you're not taking that coffee or whatever, but somebody's lives has changed. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't think there's any greater feeling in the world, and that's what got me started, and that's what keeps me going. So. Uh, Thanks again for having me and uh, just keep giving and and keep sharing Mm -hmm. and and knowing you're making an impact.
0: Yes. Well, thank you, Tony, so, so much for not only the match right now, but, you know, all of your support, both financially and, you know, in your volunteer roles and your wisdom and guidance that you help Phoenix Society. You know, we we really couldn't do it without you. So we are just so thankful uh, that you're part of our team.
2: And I'm honored to be part of that team. Thank you.
0: Yes. Thank you. Well, I just want to give a special thank you to Bob and Shelby and Tony for joining us for a bonus episode of Girls with Graphs in honor of giving Tuesday. Um, I hope this podcast inspired you to give back in one way or another whether Bob inspired you to sign up for a 5k, or if you want to join our monthly donation club um, through Howard and Tony's gift, Um, or if you want to be like Shelby and become a Phoenix store volunteer, there are so many ways to give back and get involved during this holiday season. And before we close out, I do just want to give one more quick and easy way to give back. You can give back right now by liking or commenting on this podcast. If you're watching us on Facebook or YouTube or LinkedIn, hit that like button, hit that share button, share this with your friends and family. And if you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you get your podcast, um, give us a five star review and make sure you share this episode with your friends and family as well. Um, so be sure to catch us for our next live podcast episode, our chat with our CEO, Amy Acton. That's coming up on Thursday, December 14th at 2 p.m. Eastern Standard. I also have a surprise Amber, my lovely co-host will be back with us for that live episode. I'm so excited to get her back on the podcast with us. So be sure to tune in live for that and ask all your questions away in our comments. So thank you so much, everyone for joining us for this Giving Tuesday podcast. I hope you've been inspired to give back. And if you ever have any questions or need more information, never hesitate to reach out. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of Girls with Crafts. If you are enjoying this content, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. This helps others find the show, and we greatly appreciate it. Thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you in the next episode.